Okay, Bokatov. Today's stop is Dalid, and we pick up two lines from the bottom on Gimel Amazbet, and uh, we have went through the different explanations of the problem of Schach being higher than 20 Amot, and we've also had an opportunity to look at one of the core debates about the minimum size of a sukkah. Um, is it uh, to be able to contain your body and your head and your a table, a small little tray table, which is about seven and a half tachim by seven and a half tachim, about two feet by two feet, roughly? Um, or do you need it to be the size of four amot by four amot, which is ready position, about six feet by six feet? And the Gemara said, when it comes to defining a house, Everybody agrees, like a more permanent place, that a minimum size is six feet by six feet, as some people say, like a Manhattan studio apartment. Um, and <laughs> but the question is, by a sukkah, is a sukkah defined as a temporary dwelling, and therefore, yeah. and in that way, it's a contrast to your house, because your house is permanent and your sukkah is temporary, and therefore, a smaller size suffices. Or does your ha- it have to be a substitute for your house, and therefore it also requires the four amot by four amot? Is sukkah diras keva or diras arai permanent or temporary? A very important debate here translated into the question of the minimum dimensions, at least width and length. Now we get to a series of um, sort of cases um, to relating to the issue of minimum height and all of maximum height, and also as we will see the issue of minimum height. So let's take a look, two lines from the bottom on Gimel Amad Bet. If the sukkah was higher than 20 amot, and you are coming to try to lower it, right? So you want to fix the problem. It's higher than 20 amot, and you want to actually lower the height. Now, it's a lot, that's a little bit hard. Like, what do you do? You, uh, you know, you, 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 you take off the schach, you trim the walls, you put the schach back on. So here are some interesting suggestions about how you can lower the height. You you want to lower it, with pillows and blankets. Don't lower the ceiling. Raise the floor. It's a lot easier, okay? So, put stuff, put pillows and blankets on the floor, and then the actual height from floor to ceiling will be less. Because you will remember, this is important, that we have um, discussed the question of whether the height is measured as the interior height or the exterior height, um, and because for the most part the problems of too high have been emphasizing the height of the schach, although again there have been different opinions, um, the assumption here is is that the height is measured as the interior height, from the floor to the base of the schach. That the base of the schach cannot the schach, let's just say, cannot be higher than twenty amot. So therefore, raise the floor and you will solve the problem that way. Okay, so. That doesn't count. Pillows and blankets don't become part of the floor. They're like on the floor, but they don't redefine what the floor is. The Even though you've nullified them there, you stood up and you made a declaration and you said, I am making these pillows and blankets part of my floor. They're going to remain here for the whole week. No, that that doesn't that doesn't uh, matter. Some of the gifts of Lakuluhu for the entire time. Um, why? A very important principle. Your intention is negated um, regarding that of the normal people. Normal people don't leave pillows and blankets on the floor for a week, um, and therefore. <laughs> well, it actually is interesting because, right, in some like mid-eastern cultures, yeah. right, you have like pillows like all on the floor. They basically do serve as like your, you know, you know your, you know, the basic like carpeting essentially. I um, mean, they don't really get removed. But the Gemara is assuming I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit different than a house that's out, you know, that's uh, especially if you have a dirt floor. 
Anyway, the Gemara says that that's not really, it, you really don't make them part of the floor. Look, Rashi says, you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says the, 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 um, the bottom Rashi on Gimel Amad Bet, that you're not going to really, nobody expects a normal person to leave at their false seven. So that means that we don't really believe or we don't, or we don't treat, treat it as significant, your desire, because normal people don't leave it there the whole week. One does wonder whether even if you genuinely were going to and normal people did leave it there the whole week the point I'm making like if the culture is to have pillows regularly to have like pillows on the floor and covering the floor that doesn't necessarily mean that they are part of the floor meaning you could have something there for an ongoing period and intend to do that and that could be the culture but it doesn't mean that they get incorporated into and being seen as the floor itself they're always seen as distinct from the floor they're pillows on the floor they're not the new floor so but for one way or another you're in Tension does not significant because these either we don't don't really have the status of being there for the week, or I would say further, even if they are going to be there for the weekend, that is the norm. They don't become incorporated into the floor. Now this idea is very important. How much does halacha care about your subjective intention? How much does it care about the norm? Um, and there are different halachot about that um, but very often if your intention it's, it's sometimes willing to consider your intention if it's off the chart of the norms um, to be, may, be maybe more stringent but not necessarily to be more lenient um, and it sort of gets it has to get you know sort of counterbalanced by what the norms are in that case a good example of that is the issue of chatzitza right we say that if you're not makhted on something on your body then it's not a chatzitza well let's say normal people are makhted but you for some crazy reason or not or let's say the opposite normal people aren't mocked and you for some crazy reason are right so to what degree do we look at what the norms are to determine whether it counts as a chatzitza to what degree do we look at what your intention is so butla daito eitza koladam is an important principle which is not always applied and often it's applied to not, again, if, you're, if your intention would be, make us more lenient and that goes against the norm, we might negate it. And that's the idea that we look at the normal intentions and the normal way people operate and not necessarily, you know, weigh in favor of your subjective intention. Yes. Okay, so that's number one. If you want to have the pillows there for the whole week, um, it doesn't help. It doesn't, it's not considered raising the floor. Tevin um, Ubitlo, now let's say you have straw. Now, again, remember, they basically had dirt floors, you know, and you wanted to put straw. Well, that's a normal type of a thing, maybe, to actually become a type of a carpeting and actually become incorporated into the floor. So if you intentionally are mevatelet, meaning you say, I am sort of making it part of the floor, that's what mevatel means. You sort of negate it from its independent identity, and you, and you sort of say that I'm intending to leave it there, and it's going to be part of the floor. Havimiyot, that works, that does become incorporated. Because you can offer a and certainly if you take dirt, and you're mevatalit, again, it's a dirt floor to begin with, that becomes incorporated into the floor, and that raises the floor. Now, how about some middle cases? Tevin ve'enos, at least know so, if you have straw that you're not, like, planning on removing it. You, in your mind, you never said, oh, let's make this part of the floor. On the other hand, you have no intentions of removing it. You know, it's there, you haven't thought about it too, too much, but you certainly, or maybe you've explicitly said, yeah, I'm not going to bother to take, I'm not going to bother taking the straw out. But you haven't, like, actively designated it as part of the floor. The upper stomp, or you have dirt there that you haven't even thought about. You haven't decided you are taking it out, you aren't taking it out, you haven't given it a second thought. So in those cases, right, you understand why those are interesting middle cases. Because dirt is very much, but objectively and naturally, it's the same material as the floor. So it's just presence there could automatically define it as part of the floor until maybe you actively want to remove it. 
Okay, or maybe not. Maybe dirt requires somehow that you that you indicate that you're not going to remove it. But you could understand how its natural presence could make it part of the floor. Straw is another middle case. Straw is not naturally incorporated into the floor, but it's a thing that's a reasonable thing to be part of the floor. So in that case, if you left it there, stam without saying anything. So okay, maybe not. But let's say you consciously have decided you're not going to remove it. That might be enough. So how do you deal with those two cases? Is that clear, by the way? We have, we have sort of like a chart of, you know, of, of degree that it, you, of your God. Bitlow means you want it to be, you intentionally say it, you want it to be part of the floor. Okay? The opposite of Bitlow is obviously snow toes. You consciously are planning on removing it. Okay? Planning on removing it. The two things that are in the middle of this, of this uh, continuum is the case about stam, okay, which is you're just, you're not thinking, no plans, you know, you're not thinking about it, it's just there. And in so, which is you consciously are, you're planning to not remove it, planning to not remove, right, but you haven't consciously made it part of the floor. Like, you sort of see how that's a continuum, right? You are consciously planning on removing. You're consciously planning on making it out of the floor. You're not thinking about anything. You're consciously leaving it there, but you're not consciously making it part of the floor. So that's like your continuum, okay? So what it says is, is that if you have Bitlo by plus Afar and Teven, that's like the best of all worlds. You've got materials that are naturally part of the floor, plus your intention, that's part of the floor. If you have it by... Uh, by what is Karim and Ksotot, right? So that even Bitlo won't work, right? Even Bitlo won't help you. But this, you have something that's naturally plus your intention, combination will work. What about these things? Which your intention is in the, somewhere in the middle range. What about that? Okay? And it says in that case, let's test it. So Afar Stam, which is the better material, but the slightly less better intention, or Teben, the Anos, if he snows so, the less ideal material to be part of the floor, but the better intention, will, tho- will those combinations work? Okay? Is that sort of clear? Yeah, if you I want... I don't understand the difference between Anos, if he snows so, means... Yeah, you, and part of the floor. Uh, part of the floor means you say, I want this... this I brought in, let's say, the straw, because I want to thicken my floor. I want it to be part of my floor. As opposed to, somebody drops the straw on my ground, it fell off the table, it fell on the ground, and I'm just going to leave it there. Who cares? So it's not a big difference, but it's not like a conscious making it part of the floor. Okay? Is that, yeah, it's not a huge difference. So yeah. Can you lock out something for just a certain period of time? Well, that's an interesting question. Let's say your bitto here is for the, presumably, yes, presumably for this week I want it to serve as the floor of the sukkah. Okay? All right, you know, a way to quantify this, which is, I'm not saying what the Gemara is doing, but a way to quantify this is thinking of assigning a number to, you know, to, like, the materials and a number to the intention. What's the minimum combination of the number? Oh, I forget that. Anyway, <laughs> let's take a look. So the Gemara says like that. So that, if you have the combination of the two, that is... Um, that is Machlokas Reb Yossi Rabbanan, the debate of Reb Yossi and the rabbis. Now we turn in the Mishnah. Now, this is a Mishnah by Oalos, by the Halacha that... Um, by the way, Tosa interestingly says it's not really a mission by Oalos, it's a paraphrase and a sort of, a, a, you know, like a uh, rewriting of a mission to get to the, to, uh, in order to make it more accessible and relevant, which is interesting. Like, he, Tosa points out how what we're about to quote 
is not a text of a Mishnah, but it's inferred from the Mishnah. And since the Mishnah was a lot more complicated, the Gemara actually just rewrote the Mishnah in a way that was directly applicable here, which is sometimes you feel, I wish it would do that more often. Like <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, okay. But, th- but what is the idea? By all of the idea is, is that if you have Tuma, let's say a dead body, and it's under a roof, then the Tuma is considered to hit the roof and to spread and it stays within the house. Okay, that's the Tuma of a corpse. However, if there's not a tefach between the floor and the roof, less than a tefach, then it's like there's no roof and the tumor bursts through and goes straight up. That's from like planes flying over cemeteries and so on. Okay, that's any, so that's not in the house, but it's anything directly above the, the courts is a problem. So let's say you've got a tefach, but then you do is you fill dirt up in the uh, gap here. Does that, does that change the, the sense of the gap between the floor and the roof? The same question here, but here the issue is to determine whether you have a tefach gap. So let's take a look at what the Mishnah says. Bayis shemiluhu teven otsrarot. A house. You actually had a corpse in a house. And you filled the entire house with straw or with, or with rocks. Rocks is effectively the same as the, as the dirt. Ubitlo. Um, and you negated it there. Mivutal, it's batel, and it becomes part, and therefore it's not, you no longer have an ohel, and it has all those relevant halachot. So that's bitel plus the straw and the rocks. That's the easy case. So now the Gemara comments, bitlo in, lo bitlo lo. So according to the author of that Mishnah, only active bitel plus the good materials works. Anything less than active bitel would not work. The Taniyala, but we have a brighter on this, if you have straw and you're planning to not remove it, then that's equivalent to dirt that you're just that you have no intention. Those are two middle cases, and both of those work, and they are batel. As long as you have a really good material like dirt, then even no das works. And if you have a pretty good material, like straw, then planning on leaving it there, that also works. And you don't need active das to be mevatel. It's type of gilui das, no? Uh, no. It's defining the nature of the object based on the physical reality of the floor and the object and how much they incorporate into one another, plus your intention. Because you put soil on a soil floor, it's not as... No. First of all, you didn't necessarily put it. Your kid maybe spilled it there. You didn't give it... A, you haven't even been thinking about it. You're away at work. You don't even know it's there yet. So it's not about a giloy das. It's about the combination of your das and the reality of, and the physical reality. Um, uh, that's the way I would understand it. Um, okay. Now, now, however, if the intentions are not as ideal, you have afar, true, it's the best material, but it's, but it's higher up on the uh, sort of intention uh, continuum. Your plan is to remove it. Then that's equivalent to a case of straw, a less ideal material, and no intention, uh, also less ideal intention, the low batel, and it is not good. So what Mavyosi says is, Chachamim say you always need bit low to make it part of the floor. What Rabbi says is these two cases are good. The best material with a, a somewhat okay intention or the second best material with a pretty, with a better intention. Those two are good. However, if you move them up, if you move them up one, right, if you had the upper and the planning and removing it or the Kevin and it had no intention, then it would not be good. But in that case, they work. Okay? So that's seeing the way in which you can raise the floor based on the material and based on your intention. Now, I want to say one thing before we continue. You might notice that the structure of this Gemara is a little strange. It doesn't start with quoting a 
a brighter. It doesn't start with an Amora saying, I'm a Rebbe, you know, like, I'm a Rebbe Avahu, here's the Halacha. It's just the anonymous voice of the Gemara saying a, a Halachic statement. Normally, the anonymous voice is the one that's weaving together the voices of the, you know, Atanayim and the Amoraim, or maybe it's introducing a Mishnah or a Brayta in order to then have the statements of the Amoraim, but it's not usually, it's like, you don't have the, normally, like, the Gemara saying, like, okay, here's the, in this case, here's the halacha. In this case, this is the case. In this case, so what's going on here? So if you take a look, it's an interesting Rashi. Look at the second Rashi from the bottom on Gimel Amad Bet. Rashi says the following. Haitha Gavol Me'esrim, says Rashi, Piske Shmu'otein. These are like, sort of, um, you know, fakim, rulings of discussions, like bottom line conclusions. The, in current scholarly language, it might be somewhat apodictic, okay, as opposed to discursive. So Rashi attributes it to Ravashi because for, for Rashi, Ravashi is the sort of editor of the Gemara. You know, currently, academically, we sort of assigned, you know, it's assumed to be later. But the point still is, whoever did the editing of the Gemara, these were like traditions of Psakim. And actually is not the no-name Damora. This was like consensus and traditions of Psakim that were passed down and that these were just presented in a much more apodictic type of a form. Okay, so one was raising the floor. Now back to the Gemara. Now we're going to deal with other related types of cases. Okay, Haisa Gavoa Atzarat Fachim. Now what we're going to... Um, um, I'm sorry, I skipped down the line. Haisa Gavoa Me'asrim Ama. Now it's higher than 20 Amot, so again we've got a problem. But here's how we might lower the height. V'hutsin Yordin Betoch Chaf. And you have like, uh, you know, twigs... Um, and um, go, coming in within 20. So again, you me- it's clear from this you measure to the bottom of, of the schach. Okay, so your, get your gap from the floor to the schach is 20 amot. But now from the schach, you've got some twit, you've got like some, uh, not, you know, some like uh, extensions that are hanging within 20. Is that considered to be the new bottom of the schach? Right? So is that, is that clear? There's your sukkah, which is a really high sukkah, okay? There's your floor, okay? So you've got here, you've got your 20 amot, or, you know, or whatever, we'll call it 21, okay? That's your height. But then here's your schach, and then what you have is you have some stuff that's hanging down from the schach, and if you were to measure from the bottom of this, then it would only be 20, okay? So is that okay? Do you go from where the main schach is, or do you go from where the bottom hanging of the schach is? Okay? So, in Kilsim Rubam e Chamasan Kshera. So, if the, if the uh, extended hang itself provides more shade than sunlight, so then it is considered to be the schach proper, because it by itself could, could, could create enough shade. In love, psula, but if not, it doesn't count as schach. So, the halacha is, were you to remove this schach? And the stuff that's now hanging and that gets to be within 20, like if this itself could provide sufficient shade, then you're good. But if actually it itself is not providing sufficient shade, then you can't count it the schach. Only this is the schach and the schach is too high. All right? A lot of stuff hanging well, I made it 20 and 21. You could have made it that it was, that, the, that this height was 20.1 and it only has to hang down 0.1. Okay? But the point is, oh, but you mean a lot of stuff in terms of the, yeah, right, the actual distribution, not just a lot of length. Yeah, right, that is correct. 
Uh, you got the picture. picture book has this, has it that way. Right. Anyway. anyway. Oh, well, you got to. Okay. All right. So that's, so you need that stuff that gets to within 20 to continue to be considered to be Ischach. Going on. Um, now we're dealing with maximum height. We're going to deal with minimum height. It was only 10 Tfachim high. Now we have a case where it's the reverse. You don't want to lower the Ischach. It's 10 Tfachim high and the stuff, the strands that are hanging down go within 10 Tfachim. So if you consider that to be Ischach, now it's too small. So what's the halacha? So Sav Rabbi Lameimah, so Rabbi thought it was the same basic principle applied in this case. If there's more sun than, sun, than, than shade in that extended hang, um, so Kshira, it's kosher, because then it doesn't count as chach, and otherwise, then obviously it would be too small of a height. But if the, ex- the stuff hanging down is, does not provide enough shade, then it doesn't count, and you have a minimum height. Amalei Rava, Rava said, no, that's a smelly, literally, a habitation, habitat. You cannot live in a smelly habitat. Now, smelly is not technically the point, but it means like spoiled or whatever. It's inhabitable. That's basically what Rava is saying. He's saying, look, 10 fachim already is pushing it. How are you supposed to live in a place that's only like two feet high? So maybe you can if you're always lying down, okay? But it's pushing it. But not only that you can only lie down and you have your roof right here but you got little strands of schach falling into your face that's inhabitable so technically it might be minimum height I'm not invalidating it because of the height issue I'm invalidating it because it's inhabitable Tosos of course says and otherwise it wasn't inhabitable <laughs> what type of a place can you live in that you can't stand up in meaning I've been explaining you don't have to sit up to eat you can recline to eat but Tosos what type of a habitation is it that you can't stand up straight in anyway this makes it completely inhabitable alright back to being too high it was higher than 20 amot now you built a platform opposite the, the middle wall if you take a look actually that nice little picture in the Gemara itself um, and, um, um, and basically normally the Gemara assumes that a sukkah has three walls doesn't assume four walls so you've got three walls and you built this platform opposite the, like along the length of the middle wall so if you think about it if that platform uh, above that platform the platform is high enough that above that platform is le- you know you've raised the floor is less than 20 amot so, the, so, right, so that area around the platform is the right height and that area around the platform has three walls right the sh- half of the left and the right wall and all of the back wall so that area above the itzaba itself is a kosher sukkah this is an aerial view this is an aerial view, okay? I think the picture is pretty clear, right? Um, so, apne kula, the length of the entire, uh, you know, opposite wall. And the area above the, the platform is the minimum size of a sukkah. So then you've got a sukkah there. The whole area of the platform is surrounded by three walls and it's, a min- and it's, and it's, not, high, and it's not too high. It's perfect. It is kasher. Okay, so that's clear, right? Why that works. That's a pretty straightforward case. Rashi, by the way, makes a chiddish that not only is the platform kasher, but the rest of the sukkah is also kasher. And this becomes an interesting question, which is, 
if you have a part of the sukkah that's kosher, you see the rest of the sukkah right. as somehow just an adjunct to the, to the part that's kosher. Now, normally we would say no if the problem is the schach. Like, imagine that I have a little strip of kosher schach and the rest is covered with metal bars. Would I say, oh, well, I can sit, be under the metal bars because this piece of the sukkah is kosher. The answer would be no. Normally we say it when the problem is the walls. Let's say I've got a kosher sukkah here and then the schach extends outwards, but the walls don't follow the schach. So, and I sit under the wall, the schach. So I'm sitting under kosher schach. It doesn't have walls. There we would say, okay, but I'm under kosher schach, and it's part of that sukkah over there that has walls. That's okay. That would be a normal scenario where we could, would say you could sit in the non-kosher part and you're considered part of the kosher part when you have kosher schach, but you don't have walls. That's what the case the Gemara deals with. Rashi applies that here, which is interesting because it raises the question, is the too high, schach, is the too high sukkah a problem of the schach? or a problem of the walls. If it's a problem of the walls, then you could say even in the other part of the sukkah, that's not the platform, I'm under kosher schach, I'm just not in the walls of the sukkah, but that's okay, I'm an extension, I'm a connected. Rash, that seems to be how Rashi is saying it. But the alternative is to say the schach is invalid and then the rest of the sukkah wouldn't be kosher. So I don't know if I just lost everybody there, but I want you to appreciate what? Well, you're not connected. You're not yeah, but it's all the extension of the same walls and the extension of the same crop. Anyway, the Gemara here says that it's kosher. Rafi adds the Kiddush that not only is on top of the platform kosher, but even the extension is kosher. And all I'm telling you is that's not so pashat. And it might depend on whether it's you see the problem being in the walls or the problem being in the schach. Okay, so that's that case. Now, how about uminat sad? Let's say you built your platform lengthwise of the sukkah. Again, look at that picture. And so that picture, you can see you only have two exterior walls, correct? The thing going down in the middle isn't the wall. The thing going down in the middle is the, pla- is the edge of the platform. So in that case, you only have two exterior walls, right? You've got a problem. So what do you do? If there's four amot separating the platform and the far wall, then it's invalid. It's because you only have two walls. But less than Vamot is valid. Why? So this is a principle, one of the important principles we're going to learn in Sukkah, called Dofen Akuma. Dofen means wall and Akuma means bent. Okay? Which I basically translate as the magic bending wall. Okay? So, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of magic here. Okay? <laughs> now, how does the magic bending wall work? The way the magic bending wall works is Let's say you've got a house, which you've got your permanent, you know, your permanent, well, maybe that looks like Scott. Anyway, you've got your permanent um, roof here, okay? That's your roof. You've got your house, and we're going to have this case in a minute. But then, a section of your roof falls in, okay? And you say, oh, a section fell in perfect. What I'm going to do is I'm going to fill it with Scott. Okay, I'm going to fill it with schach, and I'm going to make the area underneath my kosher sukkah. There's only a bit of a problem, which is the area directly underneath has no walls, you know, adjacent to it, right? The walls are distant. So the principle of the magic bending wall says, if this, if the distance from the schach to the real wall is less than four amot, then we can say that this schach isn't schach. I mean, not this schach, but this roof isn't roof. This roof is actually just a bent wall. And therefore, what the roof here is, is it's actually, I mean, 
Actually, you've got one bent wall going that way, and if this is less than four amot, you've got another bent wall going that way, and I think you get the idea, right? And if these things are considered to be bent walls, the roof is a bent wall, so then this space in the middle, if that's less than four amot, you can look at the roof as a bent wall and say they all it has adjacent walls. Is that pretty clear what well, we're saying? Very impressive that you can draw that. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so what the Gemara is saying in this case is... If you've got here your sukkah, which is wet, which is too high, but you got your platform, okay, and your platform makes it. This is that that here. This is your post, this is post, this is less than twenty amot. That's your platform, but you've only got two walls. There, there's no wall here. You've only got two walls. It says no problem because if from the here to here is less than four amot, then this then 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 this wall, right, this wall is higher than, is, is, is higher than 20, whatever, this wall here, which is too far away, right, but you've also, you, you have but the only problem was that it was higher than 20, right, so this wall bends all the way here, if this distance is less than 4, and therefore this actually will have 3 walls. Right. That it bends over the top, or actually the way I read it is that this is not just a bent magic bending wall, it's a magic bending wall that can be invisible. Uh, no, because the scarf doesn't even have to uh, touch the walls with the bending wall. We will get to invisible later, but now let's assume everything touches and we're just bending it. Okay, we'll deal later with the fact that you also have that's the other magic, and then there's a question if you can combine two magic principles. Okay, <laughs> about six feet. Okay, so right. So if the point here is the white space, which is higher than twenty, if that white space, the distance from the edge to the other opposite wall, is less than four, then you use the the schach on top of that white space to pull the wall, to extend the wall, so it's touching, so it's connected to the schach above the platform. Okay, so that's the principle. So the Gemara says, "My kamash what are you te- what are you teaching me? Damrin and Dofen Akuma that you say a principle of that wall? Tanina, we taught it." If a house has um, the case I gave you, it, uh, the roof, uh, a middle part of the roof fell in, and you put schach in the middle of the, in that in that part that fell in. If there's the distance from the actual wall to the schach part is four amot or more, it's invalid. implicitly is telling you that less than that it's kosher. So you do this bending wall by the schach in the middle of your roof. So, of course, you would do the bending wall here with the platform and to get the wall to be considered connected. So the Mosheh says, no. There, the wall is uh, the right height. It's just not close enough. Right? If you've got the wall and the middle of your roof fell in, the walls are good walls, halachic walls for a sukkah. They're just not close enough to the area of the schach. So we bend the roof to bring them close to the schach. But here, in this case, this wall, there's no platform in this section. This wall is a 21 armor wall. You might say this wall doesn't count by wall. By bending it, we're not only bringing it close to the kosher sukkah, we're redefining it as the right height wall. Right? If it gets bent and placed here, its height will be defined from the top of the platform. Right? Over here, it's a 21 armor wall. After we've bent it and effectively moved it here, not only have we made it joined to the sukkah, but we actually have now made it into a right-sized wall. 
So maybe you're not allowed to do that. Maybe you have to start with the prophesized wall. Okay? There it's fit for being a wall. It's only, it's, it, you know, it's just too far away from the middle, from the schach in the middle of your roof. And here, where it is, it's not fit for a wall. It's 21 amot. It's not, it's too high. Aim a low. I might think that you can't bend it, which brings, means both effectively bringing it close and making it the right height. Kamash Milan, that that's okay. You can do it. And as long as it's within four amot, you can see it as, as juxtaposed. You can see it as contiguous. And therefore, it also transforms. Now its height has shrunk because now it's next to a platform, so its effective height is less. Yes. So um, within, the, um, within the, uh, the right amount of distance, um, what's the difference between Dauphin Akuma and Gud Asik? So that, that's the, the, the point about the invisible. Gud Asik is you have a wall that's not high enough. And, but once it's ten fachim high, it's imagined to continue to go up straight. That's the other magic. So my <laughs> book is there. There are a couple. But the two major ones are Dauphin Akuma and Gud Asik Mechitza. Good or Gud Asik means the wall goes up. Sometimes it's Gud Asik Mechitza. But anyway, means uh, Gud is the wall, Asik goes up. Which means if you start with a ten tefach wall and you've got your schach up here, right, and it's not touching at the vertical plane, right, right as opposed to not touching because at the horizontal, right. so then the wall is continued to extend straight up. Okay, so this is sort of, you know, the magic. So can you do both? Can you have both? So, so no. So that, you, that's combining. Because then you wouldn't have to buy anything. I know, that's combining <laughs> two magic people. That's what I said, right? This is the magic invisible wall, or just the invisible wall. It's like, we're going to find a way to do it. So this is getting the walls close at the horizontal. This is at the horizontal combined. It's, it's all about combining the walls, the, combining the walls to the schach, right? This is combining them on the horizontal plane, and this is combining them on the vertical plane. Okay? In both cases, the problem is that the walls don't touch the schach. And this is the vertical, and this is the horizontal, and you're bringing them close on those different planes. Okay. But so whenever I talk about this, I always remember that scene from uh, Spaceballs, where you remember that that they're all running and they bump into and they like you know bang into something that's like you know you can't see it. I say, what is this? I says, oh, that's an invisible wall. Oh, that's an invisible wall. I always want to know what an invisible wall looks like. What? Yeah, that's the uh, yeah. We'll worry about all of that. Okay. All right. So the girl says like this. Okay. Now, um, okay. It was higher than twenty amot. You built a a uh, a platform in the middle. Now it's really like the case of the schach in the middle of the roof. So you have to bend all four walls or all three walls. If the 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 distance from the platform to the to the other wall to the walls is four amot, then you can't bend them. It's invalid. However, if it's within four amot of three of the walls, right? You need three walls. So it's, if if the distance between it and you know three three separate walls and three separate directions is less than four amot, then then you bend those three walls and you have the walls juxtaposed, you know, or contiguous with the schach. So the Gemara says, my what are you telling me? That mean in Dauphin Akuma, that we bend walls, it's what you just said. So says, no, you can say one wall you can bend. Maybe you can't bend it for all three walls, all three directions. Kamash Malan, that yes, you can do it on multiple walls. 
Okay. Heisa, now we get to not, not maximum height, but minimum height. Wait, Rabbi, yes. I'm sorry. So does that mean that if you've got like a patch of schach in the, in the middle, yeah. open air on all four sides? No, so no. Good not. question. To bend the wall, you need real schach. Exactly. Meaning okay. what allows you to bend the wall is that the schach, the physical material right. of the schach, is considered to be part of the physical right. wall. Right. And that was your question about doing it with at, at the invisible things. You can't. Okay, you need to actually need physical material to bend and it allows you to envision the roof as part of the wall. But you actually need the, right. the physical you, you matter. You can't imagine there. the stuff also. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Okay. Okay, so it's less than 10 fachim. It's too small. And now what you are doing is you are going to dig into the floor in order to get, you know, you're going to lower the floor. Okay? So, so you dig a hole. Now, here's the problem. The problem is that the problem is now we get to introduce Lovud. Okay? Here's your sukkah. Okay? It's very short. Okay? This is nine fachim. And what you did was here in the ground we'll remove that here is the ground in the middle this is sort of like the reverse of you know right here in the middle of the ground you dug a hole okay so you've got now from the floor here from the floor of your hole to the top you've got ten fachim but you've got a problem what's your problem that that kosher sukkah is a cent- is like is not is, is not touching the walls again you dug your hole in the middle right so right here is there's a minimum height right but it's, the walls are distant. So, what would you say you would need in order to get the walls to be considered less adjacent? Do you think less than four mo? Let's see what the Gemara says. It seems like we're getting ready to say <coughs> the same thing. But if from the edge of the of the of the of the pit of the pit of of the um, the if it's less than three tzachim, sula, it's invalid. I'm sorry, if it's three fachim or more, it's in about less than three fachim, it is kasher. So now the Gemara asks the obvious question. By the way, you'll notice not one Tana nor one Amora has been, you know, it's completely the anonymous voice of the Gemara. Okay, the only Tana was mentioned was when it brought in a mission. Why, when you've got a a, a, a section in the middle that's too high, you say less than four amot, you know, up to four amot, you can bend in the walls. And why here does it have to be three fachim, which is radically less, right? It's about, uh, what is that, five inches or something. So, and the other is like six feet. So, says, no. There you start with the wall. Less than four amot is fine because you can continue to bend the wall. Hacha here, lishvuye dofen. You don't have a wall yet. Less than ten tzvachim is not only invalid as a sukkah. Less than ten tzvachim is also the minimum height for what? A halachic wall. A machitza for a wall. For like Rishus Hayachid on Shabbos, other areas you need a wall. So if it starts with this thing, if these walls are only nine tzvachim high, you can't bend them to get them here. They're not yet halachically a wall. The same way when you have the magic, magic, you know, rising wall, it, it's only once that wall is ten fachim can you imagine it to go up. You need to start with a wall. So if you start with a wall, but it's 21 on both, you can bend it. But here it's only nine fachim, so therefore you can't bend that wall. So you can't have the principle of the magic bending wall. What principle do you have? You have a principle of love. 
If that's less than three tfachim, love is a principle that without any bending, things are just considered to be contiguous if they're within three tfachim of one another. Okay? So that's why if it's less than three, then it literally is like it's right up against the wall. Right? I mean, let me give you an example. Right? Let's say it was a, a centimeter or re- removed. Right? Would you say, well, you don't have a wall. That's tfachim because it's centimeter off. You know, or we say, no, that's effectively, it's the same thing. It's like it's connected. So lovelet is a little bit more than a centimeter, five inches, but it means within three tfachim, it's considered like it's all right next to each other. And that's, you don't need it to have a status of a wall. You're not saying a bending wall. Any two things that are within three tfachim are like they're connected to one another. Ten tfachim is about three feet. It's about, about, yeah, 30 inches. Or three feet, something like that. Okay. Okay, so harkal and here you're turning it into a wall. You're trying to get the minimum ten tefachim. Parachim in less than three tefachim. Yes, low, low. If not, not. Now I want to say two things at this stage. First of all, what does the word lavud mean? I mean, I think effectively, like I said, it means that it's considered contiguous. But if you look at Rashi, Rashi says the following. Um, Rashi says second line from the top. Lavud says Rashi in the middle of the, of the line. Sneak. It's an appendage, um, an extension. Think about like your table when you put in a, a you know, an extension into your table, a leaf, right? So today the sanef al It's like you extended a a ditch onto your ditch. So basically, you're allowed to like extend the thing up to three tachim. That's the way Rashi says the word love with itself means, and it's a an, it's an virtual extension of the thing that you're dealing with. So that up to three tachim is considered to extend and therefore make them to actually be um, contiguous. But that's the idea of lavud within three tachim is contiguous. Now I want to say another interesting point, which is that Tosu says we don't say this by Shabbat. By Shabbat, there's an exact similar case, and it says that if you dig a hole here in the middle of your whatever and there's walls I mean let's not make it a hat whatever and there's let's say whatever and you dig your little hole and it's you know whatever you know five tfachim and there's a wall here you know there's walls around it that are only five tfachim okay so that inside this hole by Shabbos is a Rashut HaYachim okay so it's the same idea right five tfachim plus five tfachim make ten tfachim but Tosa says but we don't need it to be within three tfachim of the walls why not? What's the difference? How come for Shabbos it's Rosh Yachid, even though, I mean, you, you need three directions. But anyway, how come by Shabbos it's Rosh Yachid, even if it's not contiguous to the walls, and here it isn't? And Tosu says a very important point. He says, by Shabbos, by, you don't need the idea of a house. By, right, by Sukkah, you need the idea of a house. So a house, the walls are contiguous with the living space. So that's, right? Is that clear? So therefore you need it to be contiguous. Whereas by Shabbos, the idea is if this is a zone that is sort of separated off, protected from the outside, you know, what does the mechitza do? Mechitza blocks traffic, right? So even if the mechitza, the blocking of the traffic occurs distant, but this zone in the middle is a protected zone, that makes it a Rishut HaYachid. It doesn't need walls contiguous. It's not a structure with walls. The idea of Rishut HaYachid is a protected zone. So the walls that actually protect can be distant from the space itself that is designated as a Rishut HaYachid. Okay, so I just thought that was very interesting because although they're very similar, walls, Tanfachim, and so on, there's a difference. A sukkah has a roof and a sukkah is more of a whole structure. The walls are part of the structure, whereas by Rishut HaYachid, the walls more protect the space in the middle. Okay, let's keep on going. 
Uh, okay. That's true also. Right, exactly. Um, exactly. It's not a dwelling place, it's abstract, and therefore the walls don't have to be an inter- integral part of it. Um, now, it's higher than 20 amot. Now, you built in the middle a platform higher than 10 tzvachim. Now, we're not going to be able to bend the walls, okay? But, we're going to try to do something, because let's say it's way too big to bend the walls, and your platform is in the middle. But we're going to do something else. The Yesbo Hechshir Sukkah, and on this platform is the minimum size of a Sukkah. So Savar Abayi and here becomes the other magic principle, Gud Asik Mechitzta, the wall extends up, the Mechitzta of the wall extends up. So you got the case, meaning now what you've got is the same idea of a platform in the middle, but with one new thing added. The size of the platform, here's you standing on the platform, the size of the platform is ten tfachim, okay? And you've got way here, you've got, you know, the schach that's too high, okay? And this is, this is way too far away from the walls, it's five amot away from the wall, so you're not going to be able to bend, okay? But from here to the top is good. So what Abai said is, hey, let's extend the walls, the magic extending walls. Since the platform is ten tzfachim, the outer wall of the platform, even though it doesn't have an interior part, right, but just the outer face of the platform can be a wall that extends wow. up, and therefore you could be okay. So we got somebody shaking his head no. Let's see what the Rava doesn't like it either. Let's see what Rava says. Okay, so the one says like this. I'm away, Rava. Rava says to him, No, you need walls that are obviously walls. Now, why are these not obviously walls? Well, oh, so right. You could say two things. You could say because they're invisible, okay? Or you could say, and that, that raises questions, when do we ever say good asik? Or you could say, no, because when you look at it, it's like it's, you know, there's nothing, right? It's only like a wall on one side. It has no interior. And something like this, which is the face of something, is not really a wall, all right? So that, let's take a look how this plays out. Well, but it's a foundation. Yes. Right, it doesn't start also at your level. You don't see it. So we're going to test what Nikarot means by the next case. Let's take a look. So the man says like this. Tana Rabbanan, we taught. Na'at kaneh, na'at arba kundesim, You made four posts on your rooftop, and you put schach on them. So you're on your roof, and there are four posts, and you put schach from, from post to post, you know, covering the whole thing, but there's absolutely no walls. Rabbi Yaakov Machia, Rabbi Yaakov says it's kosher. The Chami Postlin and the Chami say it's invalid. Now, let's take a look. Amar Afuna, Machlokas Osfas Agad. The debate is at the edge of the roof. The Rabbi Yaakov Savar, Amrin and Gud Asik Mechitzta, the wall goes up. Rabban Savar, Lo Amrin and Gud Asik Mechitzta, the wall doesn't go up. So that's a very similar scenario, right? Which is, here you are, you're on your rooftop. This is your Manhattan apartment building or whatever. You're on your rooftop. You make these poles. Right? And you put schach on it. So Rabbi Yaakov says the wall goes up. The, wa- the wall of the building goes up. Okay, now this, is this the same case as the platform? Right? If you say this is good, will this be good? This is a little bit better. Why is yeah, it better? These are walls. Because these are real walls. These have an interior. Right? You, they're invisible to you on the top, 
but they are nikarot, not to you on the top there, they're totally invisible, but they're nikarot because it's not just the face of something, there actually is a wall, there actually is an interior to this. So that's how we're going to test what is this idea of mechita hanikarot. Okay, but that's this case of will we extend the walls of the apartment building? Yes. What about the requirement to put fence around the top of the roof? Oh, let's not worry about that. Okay. Um, it's not your building. You don't have that requirement. I don't know. All right. Uh, so the rest of like this. Good question. Uh, the rest of like this. Uh, okay, so he says the debate is at the edge of the building. If the posts were in the middle of the roof, obviously being valid, how could anybody say you have a wall? So according to this, the Chachamim would say that even to use the edge of the building to say the extending wall, um, it, it would, you would not say. Um, Rav Nachman, um, Rav Nachman says, um, No, they debate in the middle of the roof. Because they, now, if middle of the roof, how could Rabbi Yaakov say it's good? We'll get to that in a minute. But what he's saying is, if it's at the edge of the roof, everybody would say you could extend the wall. So the Mordech says, They raise the question according to Rav Nachman. The Emsagag Machlokas, is it only the debate is in the middle of the roof? But by the edge of the roof, everybody would say it's good? Everybody would extend the wall? Or do we say, that they're actually debating both cases? That the Chachamim would say, not only the middle of the roof is no good for obvious reasons, but even the edge of the roof, we won't extend the wall. So the Mark says, we don't know. But basically, what you have here is, is that, according to one opinion, they're debating the edge of the roof, and even there the Chachamim say you don't extend the wall, so even that is not enough Nikaros, because it's not Nikar to the people, uh, because it's not Nikar to the guy standing up here. According to the other version, maybe they debate, o- they debate the middle of the roof, and maybe only the middle of the roof, and maybe the edge of the roof, everybody would agree, is okay, and would say that this is better than this case. Here, at least, the walls are evident below. Here, the walls are not really evident to anyone. Okay, so what exactly is the parameters of evident, evident to you or evident to anyone, is part of what's going on here. And you're saying when it's in the middle of the roof, you cannot apply yeah. both good aspects yeah, you can't and both open ex- Correct, absolutely. And that would solve the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, exactly. So the commercial is like this. Um, okay. Mace um, now we're not done. I'll ask not arba kundasim ba'aret. You put four posts on the ground. Vishichagaban. You put schach on them. Rabbi Yaakov Mavshir. Rabbi Yaakov says it's fine. The chamim posting the chamim valte. So the says the ha'aret. If it's on the ground, kemsa gadam. It's like the middle of the roof, right? It means there's no way to use any extending walls. And nevertheless, Rabbi Yaakov says that even four posts with no extending walls is still kosher. The Kamachi Rabbi Yaakov. And Rabbi Yaakov says it's kosher. So you see that even in the, that in the middle of the roof, Rabbi Yaakov is willing to still say it's kosher. They're not just debating the edge of the roof. It's yufta the Ravuna, it's yufta. Okay, that's a contradiction to Ravuna. Ravuna said they're only debating the edge. Nobody would say it's kosher in the middle. Here we see it's not true. We see that Rabbi Yaakov says even without the extending wall, it's kosher. But oh, the answer who depleted, now the Gemara wants to push its case even more. Maybe I'll say, they're only debating the middle of the roof. They're only debating this case of like being on the ground. Maybe I should infer that by the edge of the roof, maybe everybody would say it's okay, that you can say the extending wall. Maybe this contradicts Ravun in two ways. A, that they, Rav Yaakov says it's good at the, you know, even in the middle, um, and Ravun denied that. And the second way is, is that Rav Yaakov, maybe Rav Yaakov agrees that the edge of the, uh, the Chachamim agreed that the edge of the roof is good. And that was also being denied. So, Amalukha Ravuna, Ravuna will tell you no. 
just because they debate the middle of the roof, the case of the ground, does not mean that they don't also debate the edge of the roof. The Hadakamishwagibaemtragag, why are they discussing the middle of the roof? Lodiko Koko de Rebyakov, to tell you the Khidash of Rebyakov. That he says it's kind, fine even in the middle of the roof. Which means what? That we see that they debate the case of the ground. We see that Rabbi Yaakov says that even without extending walls, it's okay. The Chachamim say it's no good. Okay? Now, first of all, I should say a word about why Rabbi No, you know, we'll say in a minute with the logic of Rabbi Yaakov. Right. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. But you see they debate on the ground, so that Rabbi Yaakov has a very bizarre position, it's okay, it's very logical, Chachamim say it's no good. What about when it's at the edge of the roof? Clearly, of course, Rabbi Yaakov is going to continue to say it's okay. Would the Chachamim there say it's good or not? That's not clear. Maybe they would say it's good. Okay? Maybe they would like the, they would say the extending wall. Maybe they say it's no good. But the reason we're focusing on the case of the middle of the roof is because it tells you the tremendous Chiddush of Rabbi Yaakov, that even without any extending walls, he's going to make this kosher. Okay? So Chachamim who disagree might also not even like the edge of the roof. That we don't know. But we do know that Rabbi Yaakov goes so far to say without any walls, just the four posts, it's going to be fine. And let's figure out why, and that's the last piece. Tana Rabbanan, a rabbi's heart, not arba kundasin ba'aretz, four posts in the ground, v'sichich al-gabam, and you put shach on them. Rabbi Yaakov Omer Roim, now here's the explanation of Yaakov. Koshi'u yachaku, if those poles are big enough that you could carve them, v'yachlaku, and split them, v'yech ben tefach l'kan v'tefach l'kan, and there's a tefach in each direction, nidoni nishum diomed, they have a status of diomed, which means like a corner. The imlav ain't done mishum diomed, and it's not. They don't count as a corner. Shahayir is Yaakov Omer diom de sukkah tefach. That the corners of a sukkah are tefach. The chachamim omim ad shu shtayim to chasam shlishis afilu tefach. Now you need two full walls. The last one to be a tefach, which means what? Which means that if you have four posts, right? This is now an aerial view. You've got four posts. But they're big enough that you can cut out a square of a tefach of a tefach. And then from that square of a tefach of a tefach, you can actually imagine hollowing it out. So effectively, they are big enough that you can create four corners, each one a tefach by a tefach. And he says that creates a structure, a frame of four walls. And that frame of four walls, although you don't actually have the physical wall, is enough to be kosher for a sukkah. That's called a diomed. Now, by the way, people who remember Ervin might remember the case of Pasi de Rose that you have mm-hmm. a well in the middle no. and you've got corners there. The corners have to be an amalong. Here, if a smaller structure, a tefach is enough. So he says, if you think this, it would be kosher and therefore, even if you don't have the corners, even if you just have posts, if they convert, if they could in theory become those corners, that would be fine. So you have to, you can, uh, you can according to him, imagine the corners. Yes. And from that, then imagine the wall. Exactly. <laughs> and the Chachat, so it is a double Chiddush. And the Chachamim say, even if you had the corners, it wouldn't be good. You need two and a half real walls. Okay, but the, the upshot of all of this is, A, we've got a huge Chiddush here about the Yomim, but we have the principle about the magic bending wall. We have the principle about the magic extending wall. Okay, which is the good ostic, and the point is to say good ostic, you need something to be ten fachin. You got to start. You also need to start with a real wall. And the question is, what about the the question about mechitzot mikarot? And we had two scenarios about mechitzot mikarot. We had one which is a platform, and they're not obvious to anyone. That rubber says is no good. We had the other, which is it's a building, and it's and it is an obvious wall to the people in the building, just not to the guy on top. 
And that was the question whether the Chachamim would say that this case is good or not. Would the Chachamim say the case of the roof is good? Can you say the extending wall when the wall is nikar to the people in the building but completely invisible to the guy on top and we don't have an answer to that question? Okay, and that's where we'll end with According today. According to Rabbi Yaakov, if the poles are six 